Welcome to Curve Beam Connect. Listen in monthly as we talk with doctors and experts in the field discussing innovations and insights into orthopedic imaging. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Curve Beam Connect. I'm Gabrielle, and this is the final part of our three-part series with Efferent Health, co-founder and chief biomedical engineer, Dr. Alberta Queller, and Curve Beam Director of Marketing, Vinti Singh. The whole purpose of this episode has been to discuss the challenges of IT solutions, workflows, and cybersecurity within the healthcare industry, and the use of Efferent Health Platform as a solution. So let's jump into this exciting conclusion. Well, I mean, if you already have clients like Microsoft and Stryker, I would say you're you're doing pretty well. So we can't talk about IT solutions and, and workflows in HL7 and FHIR without talking about cybersecurity. So uh, how is Efferent ensuring that cybersecurity risks are addressed um, so that healthcare organizations can feel comfortable implementing um, SmartLink and, and the other solutions in their, um, in their systems? Very good question. I think it would be irresponsible to say, you know, nobody can break into our um, system uh, because there are out in a population of, you know, billions of people. There's a lot of smart ones. And, um, and we can see by uh, what's happened here in the U.S. and elsewhere that the hackers can hack into anything. So let's assume that. Now, let's also look at what goes on right now, because you have to compare what we have in relationship to what's out, out there and actually being used. For example, I work in an institution, we use Epic. And, um, and there's, we also use other applications. And, and all of those applications are, are housed somewhere else. And in mm-hmm. fact, I was uh, in the computer troubleshooting something and there was a list of about 200 names that I had to go through to find the one that I needed. And they're all spread throughout the country and as well as systems to log on to there, you know, you, you have them all. Well, I don't even need to know what's happening next door. I need to know what I'm doing. But anyways, in order to accomplish that, it requires additional middleware like Citrix, uh, and they established VPNs, uh, virtual private networks, uh, between you and, um, and some, and another entity. Now they may not work that way. They may be token based, which is a different kind of technology. Uh, but still you start layering all these middleware, uh, and there's so many vulnerabilities, so many points of, of, a potential entryway that it makes um, security for the average institution very difficult to manage and very expensive. Even this morning, I was making rounds. Well, 
over the weekend, I was making rounds and starting yesterday, I was kicked out of the system. Mm -hmm. No warning, I couldn't log Mm -hmm. on. I thought, okay, I don't have my password. Everybody goes through that. So you do it really slow. Well, after really (laughs) slow for 10 times, I figured, okay, it's not gonna work. And so I call IT and IT uh, says, we need to uh, up the level of of support for this. And so that mm-hmm. happens and mm-hmm. they could not solve it. And the reason why is because uh, I was deactivated on an HR level, which is a third party uh, for, for our institution. And um, over the weekend, HR people are not on call or anything like that, to my knowledge. And so, you know, we had to go up the uh, HR system. And right now, at least I can get into uh, the system to do my work as a orthopedic surgeon, but I'm also locked out of other applications that I also need to do my work, but I can hold off on those until they troubleshoot it enough. But um, my particular profile was wiped off out of their their reach. And so we had to go and bring it back. This kind of, it is rare to go through a day without these types of things happen, mm-hmm. happening. And it's, if it's not log on uh, issues, it's something else. Uh, I consider uh, current systems to be so obstructive. That's really, you know, the massive pain point. It's every single day. I spend less time, much less time with my patients and more time trying to make a document correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot more. And it's continuous and aggravating. But uh, hence, Efren Health. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Again, like I said earlier, it just it just seems like common sense to break down some of these barriers uh, to information transfer. Um, and uh, Efferent really seems to be an elegant solution. Would you like to talk about some of the other partners that you're working with? I know you mentioned some of your clients, but are there any folks who you're you're working side by side with to develop some of these solutions? Well, all of these companies, from a technical point of view, we have to work side by side. Uh, Probably the most pronounced partner would be Microsoft because we're working with their engineers to help them facilitate what they're doing and vice versa. Stryker would be another because we needed their engineers to uh, give us their requirements so that we could help them put an entire system together. Same with corn. And then same with other medical practices and groups and and, uh, facilities. So yes, uh, it becomes a a, uh, product, but everybody's so motivated on both sides of um, of the road here um, that uh, it gets done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
that, that's great. Um, so kind of taking it back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the episode and where healthcare is today and what the data is so price, uh, precisely detailing where we're headed if we continue doing things the way we do them currently, looking to the future with solutions like Efferent, assuming that we can intervene and change course, um, what are some of the biggest transformations that you are anticipating in healthcare in the coming years? That's a good question because I felt like I was building that, mm-hmm. you know, the the biggest transformation. I mean, that's big talk, and but I'm confident that if we can pull this off, it will change everything. Now, interesting thing is, uh, I think that that the ability to do that or to have that kind of platform in place and other entities to do the same thing, you know, it's, it's a large world. So that it will allow us to have certain uh, technologies that we cannot implement um, because of all the, the, the issues that we're plagued with uh, right now. If we look at robotics, and and mind you, I love technology. Uh, I was um, on a robotic team for 10 years, and I start looking at uh, all the systems and, that are headed that way. And I admire these, these companies for taking on such high risk, and I do think that it's probably going to go that way, but I I have uh, different ideas. For example, for where we can apply robotics that would make a monumental change in healthcare costs as well as so many other things, and that is in the realm of helping us do our work. You know, one of the things, if we connect robots with our system, it can, it can educate each other as the robots can. I mean, that's already being done is taking one robot and teaching another robot. So I, I like that idea of being able to influence, uh, on a larger scale than just, you know, orthopedics or neurosurgery, although there, those things are important, no mm-hmm. question about it. Uh, I, uh, back in the early 2000s, I built a navigation system of, uh, and, uh, at that time I was consulting for Striker and it became a thing, uh, a product, uh, and I love that, uh, project. But if you think about it, it could be, uh, used a thousand times a year, but it's, in the scope of the entire industry of healthcare, it's mm-hmm. minuscule. Uh, a biggie is, is research. Uh, we went through two years of COVID where getting data and information from one entity to another was difficult. And in some cases, almost impossible. It was, it was, uncanny how you really couldn't um, get data. And then you have all these studies and they're all different. 
And I mean, you can make a case of why, why they're different, but, but setting up studies, multi-center uh, studies um, would be relatively easy having a system like ours because there, there are great researchers and we, we're actually working with uh, some of them that can uh, provide the protocols and we can provide the uh, infrastructure for those protocols. And then all of a sudden you start to standardize how to measure things and come out with, with data on a global basis that will help everybody. So there's, there's other things that, you know, pet projects that I have. One of them, I'm sitting there and, you know, uh, clinic and occasionally we'll we'll go into the radiology room, the imaging uh, room and start to look at what actually is going on. So fast forward, uh, right now, the digital aspect uh, we all know about. You get an x-ray and it's uh, digital information. Well, personally, I think that we can recover a lot more information than just what we see by creating uh, essentially a virtual simulator of the entire uh, imaging suite and, and be able to digitize the space between uh, the uh, X-ray source and the detector so that we can understand the anatomy and be able to build better, uh, better tools for uh, things that we do in orthopedics and is done in other uh, specialties where we can better anticipate things like implant sizes and whatnot. And that's a big thing that, that we're getting into. I know I was supposed to give you uh, fresh stuff and I always come back to this because our ambitions are, are huge and I recognize that, but it really does have the capability of being a massive game, game changer. As an example, what I just described to you, I'm actually developing on the computers back here. And why would that be important? Well, currently, even with digital radiography, uh, in order to, in order to template, which is a real pain, template a case, and you know, you know what that uh, means, but for your listeners, we have, uh, it used to be acetate outlines of the implant, just very flat, two-dimensional. And you would put it and say, okay, this is about a six. So you go in there, it turns out it's a nine, you know, and that's because we really don't understand as a, as a, a group of, you know, supposedly very smart people uh, that, you know, do surgery and planning and stuff like that, the nature of an x-ray, which is a projection. And so you have projection distortion and uh, other issues. So if we could, with using standard equipment, and I know Curve Beam has a very sophisticated system that I love, wish I could have, 
but not everybody does. And is there a way of taking uh, flat plate digital images and being able to draw more information so that I can accurately template so accurate that uh, we can we can actually uh, send that information immediately, a sizing information to the implant reps, the manufacturer, to the hospital EMR, to the clinic EMR, all of that kind of stuff. And so what it would do is it would decrease the amount of stuff that the vendors have to bring in for every case times a million, uh, you know, a year, hips and knees, and then times the global uh, hip and knee usage. So manufacturers of implants, their number one problem is inventory and not whether they have a computer, a, uh, a robot or not. Their problem is inventory and shrinkage. And we think we can solve that. Then we can automate how they build, which is all paper right now. And it goes on and on and basically change how that actually works. And mm -hmm. it would be huge. It's like there's so many little strings that make up this tapestry of healthcare. And you can pull just one little string and there's so many potential avenues for changing the way things are done for the better. And there's millions upon millions of these little strings that make up this tapestry, but yeah. just even pulling just one, it can be really interesting to take a deep dive into what you can do. Yeah, and so you need, back to the platform mm -hmm. question, you need something that can handle it and kind of evaded your security uh, uh, deal. Why would our platform be a better solution? Well, we have uh, passed the IT tests and uh, criteria for uh, being a vendor from uh, Aptenet, HCA, as USPI, as well as some other known hospital systems. And one of the things is typically the questionnaire is about 50 pages long and we do not have to answer a good portion of those because it doesn't exist in our world. Yeah, it, those types of vulnerabilities are non-existent using the type of technology. And I don't think we could have said this, you know, just a couple of years ago, but it's actually safer doing it the way we're doing it than current systems. You know, once you establish a, a connection with another uh, company, that connection, we're not even talking about a VPN, that's just another layer, but that connection is highly encrypted, very, very difficult to uh, interfere. By the time you were to get the uh, encryption tokens, that particular connection has vanished. And if it started up again, it's a different set of tokens. And so it's, it's hard. I'm not saying impossible, but from a probability point of view, it's very, very difficult. 
So, you know, the counter to that is we're getting into quantum computing, which is extremely fast. And so what we do is we uh, increase the encryption keys uh, by another 10, 10 million orders of magnitude or whatever it will take. Yeah, I mean, our system now is more secure than the majority of hospital systems and other healthcare entities. This has been an absolutely fascinating interview. I'm very excited to see kind of how Efferent continues to grow. If anyone is listening to this podcast and is interested in reaching out to you, what is the best way to get in touch with you? My Efferent email address, A D Quayar, that's Apple David Quayar, C U E L L A R, at EfferentHealth.com. Efferent is E F F E R E N T, and then health.com. And I will make sure in the show notes to also link to the, uh, the paper that you wrote um, and also the 2013 poster in case anyone is interested in taking a deep dive into those specific numbers. Again, this has been tremendously uh, informative and educational. I, I learned a lot today and I am looking forward to seeing how this grows. For our audience for Curve Beam Connect, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure that you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get podcasts. And to learn more about Curve Beam, you can always go to www.curvebeam.com. Uh, Dr. Quaylar, absolutely a pleasure. And I hope to have you on again in some future date when you've probably made 50 more uh, <laughs> uh, workflows that have that have just changed uh, healthcare, and, and uh, we'll discuss some more in detail then. Absolutely, I I enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, thank you. A big thank you to everyone who tuned into this three-part series, and thank you to Dr. Alberto Queller and Vinti Singh for sharing their insights. Until next time, this has been Gabrielle with Curve Beam Connect. Mm-hmm.